This morning we'll be in 1 Corinthians 12 for our passage. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, um, Paul's going to answer a question that the Corinthians have asked. Uh, they've asked about uh, gifts that God has given to different individuals. And Paul sincerely wants to answer this. He, he wants them to understand uh, the gifts, but also the purpose in those gifts and how they're to use them. And, uh, you know, this is something for each one of us to consider also, is how God has given us gifts and how we're to be good stewards of those gifts that he's given us. So beginning in verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we can see that Paul generally wants them to understand. He generally wants them to know and understand these gifts that have been provided by the Holy Spirit. And this is something we should to look to, as I've said, that we should desire to know God's design for these gifts. We shouldn't be looking for a way to use these gifts by our own design, but he's given them to us for a purpose. And we should desire to know that. Now in verses 4 through 6, Paul gives us a, an outline that we want to look at on, the, on these gifts. Verse 4 says there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. Verse 5 says there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And verse 6, he tells us there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. So as we look at the diversities of gifts, there are many, many different diversities of the gifts that are provided by the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul's going to list some of them here. He lists out wise advice, special knowledge, faith, healing, performing miracles, prophesying, Discernment, discernment if a message is from God or some other source. Speaking in tongues or interpretation. There are many other gifts that he's not included here, not listed here. But all of these come from the Holy Spirit. It's one spirit, the same spirit of God that provides all these gifts to each and every one of us. Now he tells us there's, there's different ministries. But all these ministries come from the Lord. You know, there are various ministries to children, to elderly people. There are ministries to young people, prisoners, homeless people, men, women, single moms, and of course the list goes on and on. You can think of a people group or a group of individuals and there's a ministry that the Lord has given to somebody somewhere to reach out to those groups of people. But again, it's the Lord who provides these ministries that, that calls us into these ministries to serve Him. And the diversities of activities that God has put together. He talks about in verse 6. And in addition to the gifts and the, the ministries, there are activities that we can participate in in order to exercise these gifts. Some of these include the church services like this morning, Sunday school classes that are going on in the same building, prison services, Bible studies, youth groups, biblical counseling, food ministries, media worship, set up and tear down, and of course that list goes on and on also. God has such a myriad of activities that we can be involved in as Christians. So how does our service to the Lord work inside of this outline that, that Paul's given us here? Well, one example would be a person who has a gift of giving wise advice. They can use that gift of wise advice to counsel young people at a summer camp. Another person may be using their gift of faith to provide encouragement to homeless people at a soup kitchen. Another person uses their gift of caring to visit shut-ins. 
A doctor could use his skills to provide medical care to sick children in a third world country. In each one of these cases, we see a person who's been given a gift from God. They choose to get involved in a ministry and participate in an activity where they can exercise that gift. Now, have you noticed a, a pattern to this application? A gift, a benefit of an individual or group through an activity. In verse 7, Paul points this out to us. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That the Spirit has given us a gift that many will be blessed by it is what he's telling us here. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 tell us, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So here we can see that as we've been given that gift, it was given to us that we should be a good steward of it and use it to bless other people through various ministries and different activities. The gifts are, are not given to us to, to hoard or be stingy with. They're, they're not given for us to put away somewhere on a shelf and look at polished dust. I like the way Pastor Chuck says, said that gift of the Spirit, it isn't for my own personal pleasure. It isn't a toy for me to play with. It is for profit of the whole body of Christ. If we've been given that gift of the Lord, he didn't give it to us just to, to hold on to and show off like a trophy. It's something we've been given that we can use. It's something that we can use to bless other people. And we should earnestly desire that God would provide us with multiple ministries and activities in which we can use the gifts that he's given us. We should look for those opportunities. A couple more uh, examples of how our service fits into that outline right here with our own body. You know, do you realize that a small group of people came in this morning and set up the children's ministry classrooms? How many people are benefiting from that right now? The children that are in there, the teachers that are in there, that didn't have to come in and set up their own rooms or at least had a a head start on it. You, if you've got children in there, blessed that you don't have to look after those children while we come in here for an awesome time of worship and a time to hear from the Lord. So you can see how a few small people that have been gifted and given a heart to serve can bless a numerous people. Another group brought in all the equipment you see in this sanctuary, set it up this morning. Again, a small number of people blessing a large number of us. Another group set up the hospitality out in the lobby this morning. Some of us may not have enjoyed that yet, but when you, after the service today, we'll get the fellowship out there with snacks and drinks and beverages uh, for our pleasure. Again, a small number of people using their gifts to bless many. Many may profit. How many people can God bless with one person? I would say as many as he desires to. He can bless as many as he would desire to bless. If you think of the young boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish, God was able to, Jesus was able to feed 5,000 people with that small gift. How much can he do with the gifts that he's given us? Because if you think about it, only God can stop, keep there from being a riot with that small amount of food and that many hungry people. It had to be a work of the Lord. Verse 11, Paul tells us, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You know, how do we decide which gift we're supposed to exercise? How do we know what part we're supposed to play? Well, this answers that. Christ gives us the gifts as he desires that we have through the Holy Spirit. The distributions of the gifts, the talents, and the ministries is all part of the sovereignty of God. It's part of his plan. He's already designed it. He's already orchestrated it. He's designed each one of us for a purpose that fits into his plan. He's called each one of us to a a various ministry and a varying place in that ministry. Verse 12, Paul says, For as the body is one and has many members, 
But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. Now if there's a theme that we see through verses 12, 13, and 14, it's many. It's many. Let me read that again and stress some of those. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. I think Paul's trying to tell us there's many of us in the body of Christ. How many people can be blessed with many people if one can bless so many? You know, according to a 2010 um, research by Pew Research Group, there were 2.18 billion Christians in the world. 2.18 billion Christians in the world. I would say that's many. It's many Christians in the world today that have all been given gifts that they can use to glorify God and bless others. But what we seem to see in the church often with these gifts as we begin to look at one another is some division. And that's what Paul's going to address in the next few verses. See, how can that play in? Well, one example, I can't play the guitar. Joe can play the guitar. He can come up and lead worship every day. And I can't sing. I know I can't sing because if I try to sing along with the radio, my wife will ask me to stop. So that's been confirmed to me that I can't sing. So I can't lead worship. Does that mean I'm not a part of the body? That's the mindset that some Christians would take as they look at some people who can do things that they can't. They would allow the enemy to get in their mind and convince them that they're not a part of the body if they don't have the particular gifting that someone else has. But that's not the mindset that Paul's showing us here. Apparently that was the mindset of the Christians in Corinth, at least some of them. Because Paul addresses this in verse 15. It says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, we can all see that this is nonsense. I mean, the foot can't say it's not part of the body just because it's not a hand. The foot's just as much a part of the body as the hand is. And the ear, same with it. And the same is true if the ear says it's not part of the body because it's not an eye. Being a foot or, or an eye, either one makes you a part of the body. In the same manner, for any Christian to say, I'm not a part of the body because I don't have the gift that the, that other Christian has, doesn't make sense. Not filling the role that God has given each one of us leaves an incomplete place in the body. We each need to fill that role that God has designed us for. Use those gifts that God has given us that the body may be complete. And in verse 17, Paul continues, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? You know, when I, when I look out in the seats, I see whole people. I see people with two eyes, two hands, two feet, one mouth, one nose. What I don't see is I don't look at a chair and see a, a big stack of eyeballs there. I don't look at another chair and see a, a big stack of hands there. That would be strange. That would be really weird. You know, what would be just as weird is if I walked in the sanctuary and everybody in here were standing up on the stage trying to play the guitar and lead worship at the same time. It would be just as weird, wouldn't it? God didn't design our bodies to be all one part. He made it up of multiple parts to be one body, multiple members in one body. The same he designed the body of Christ. Multiple members, multiple gifts, exercised to come together as one complete body of Christ. And in verse 18, Paul said, But God 
But now God has set the members, each of them in the body, just as he pleased, as if they were all one member. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So again, if we were all the same, if we were all leading worship, where would the rest of the body be? There'd be so many parts missing. We need teachers in the children's ministry. If you've got kids in there, again, I'm sure you don't want them left alone. We know what they can get into, especially the younger ones. You know, God has put the body together according to his perfect plan. And we don't totally understand that plan. I probably understand less of it than I think I do. Usually about the time I think I've got part of it figured out, shows me something else, and I go, well, there went that idea. It was wrong again. But God knows in our body that each one of us needed two ears. He knew we needed one mouth. He knew we needed one nose, two feet. He also knew that we needed a hyoid bone, a hyoid bone. I'm glad he knew that because I didn't know that. See, the hyoid bone is only found in humans. It's the only bone in the body that's not connected to any other, and it's the foundation of speech. This horseshoe-shaped bone in the throat is situated between the chin and the thyroid cartilage. Because of its location, the bone works with the larynx or voice box and the tongue to produce a range of human vocalizations. I had no idea I needed one of those. If I'd been in charge of putting people together, none of us could talk. It'd be a major flaw in the plan, wouldn't there? But I'm glad that God did. He put it there, and I didn't even know he put it there until this week as I was studying for this. And now, because I have one, I can tell you about it and demonstrate all at the same time how the hyoid bone works and what it does. God knew exactly how our body needed to be put together. We have a mutual need. In verse 20, Paul says, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now I want you to picture this. Tomorrow morning, your alarm clock goes off. It's time to go to work. You wake up, say, okay, i got to get out of bed. But you got a problem. Your feet and your legs are gone. They're not there. Can't get out of bed. Your head's laying there and it's screaming, let's go, let's go. But it does no good. Have no feet, have no legs, can't go anywhere. See, if the head were to say to the feet, I have no need of you, the head would be in trouble, wouldn't it? Now, hours later, the legs and feet finally show up from their walk in the park without the head. Of course, we know that's just as ridiculous, don't we? The feet and feet can't go anywhere without a head. Can't do anything without a head there to lead them and guide them. You know, just like in the body of Christ, we have people that lead, we have people that, that carry us, people that, that do multiple things. We all have a need for one another. You know, I have to wonder how many opportunities the church misses because certain body parts are missing in action, so to speak, at certain times. How many times has God called us to do something and we ignore or aren't listening or put some other priority above a priority of His? I wonder how many people miss out on the blessings of the body. How many people miss out on the blessings of Christ because we're not there when we need to be. Let's consider our time of worship again. I keep going back to that analogy since I started with it. You know, there's really three main groups involved in our worship service here. We've got the obvious. We've got Joe and the worship team that are up here on stage. We've got a second group of the sound and media. But there's a third important group there, too. It's the congregation. See, each one has a role to play. While the worship team's role is to worship God, they're also in charge of leading that worship. They're here to lead the congregation in that time of praising God. The sound and media team, obviously, working the electronics, the the video that goes along with it, the words on the screen, the sound. 
But if both of those are doing their part that God's called them to and nobody shows up for the service, there's not going to be a whole lot of worship going on, is there? Certainly the worship team can continue to worship, but they could have done that at home. And there's a role here for all three parts to play. Just as importantly, if everybody shows up to worship and we didn't have a worship team here, we can make it happen, but it wouldn't be a complete worship, would it? We wouldn't have the sound and the person leading the worship to go along. Again, God has put us all together. There's a mutual need here that we have. All the members have a need for one another to do their part. Verse 22, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. You know, how many parts does your body have that you never think about? Probably more than you do think about, right? But there's some important parts to our body we never give a whole lot of consideration to. You know, one example is we don't think a whole lot about our liver. But it's pretty important. You're not going to live long without one. That's why there's a long list of people waiting for transplants. You could say it has a, a greater modesty. It's important but not seen. works behind the scenes. I can tell you another part of the body of Christ that I often don't see. don't even know who many of them are, but I'm grateful for. That's the prayer warriors. These people, just by their very nature, you don't often realize who they are. You don't know who they are. You don't know when they're praying. You don't even know that they've prayed for you oftentimes. They spend a, a great deal of time in fellowship with God, lifting up prayers on behalf of others, interceding for others who are sick. That's a group of people I'm extremely grateful for. If you're one of those, thank you. Thank you very much. We, uh, we need that prayer. The church as a whole needs that prayer. Our country needs that prayer. Each one of us thrives on that prayer. But that's a, a small group within the body that's seldom seen, but so greatly needed. But God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism within the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. Here's another small body part you don't think a whole lot about, your tailbone. Don't think about that one too often, do you? When do you think about it? When it's hurting, right? When you fall and hit it, can't stop thinking about it then, can you? It kind of demands attention at that point. You know, our earthly tent was designed to be one body made up of many, many members working together that all need one another. When one is in pain, then we need to attend to it. When one body, a member here in the body of Christ is in pain or hurting or in need of help, encouragement, then we need to provide it. You know, the example this week, if you're on the prayer list, if you're receiving the prayer request, of course, was Amber and Chris as uh, she was went into labor a little bit earlier than expected. And we know God's in control, but, you know, they, they have appreciated the prayers. Greg and Kathy have appreciated the prayers that we've lifted up for them this week as uh, their granddaughter, Amelia, has come a few weeks earlier than we expected. While God knew it, you know, there was obviously an opportunity there for us to pray, to lift them up in prayer throughout the week. Um, there's still uncertainty in that on our part. Even though we trust in God, we have uncertainty in that. Verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I'm sorry, let me back up. 
No one person has all the gifts. Before we go on to that, no one person has all the gifts. No one person, I don't believe, could handle all the gifts and the responsibility that went with it. You know, we, we often, like I say, can be distracted and begin looking at another person and the gifts they have and desiring those. But oftentimes, if we look at all the opportunities that the Lord has given us to exercise the gifts that we do have, we can keep ourselves more than busy. There's more than enough opportunities to exercise those. You know, once we begin filling the roles that Christ has called us into, once we begin entering into those activities in the various ministries and exercising those gifts that the Lord has given us, that's when we start seeing the body of Christ work together as one whole unit. You know, think of your human body. When one part's not working, if your leg's in a cast, it's crippling, isn't it? It slows you down. You're not able to function as you normally would as the body was designed to. If you have any part of your body that's ailing, it's a distraction. It keeps you from functioning in a day-to-day capacity that you would normally function in. The same is true when we don't fulfill those roles Christ has called us to. The body as a whole, while we may not see it, God's depending on us. God's counting on us to, to fill those roles. There are people out there that are missing blessings, and we don't do that. But when we come together, and we've seen it, the example of that that I would offer is the outreach we did in the park a few weeks ago. Numerous, numerous people were involved not only in that day, but in the setup leading up to the organizing, the planning of that outreach that we did over here in the park where we had different people attending games. We had people cooking food and serving food and people at the prayer table and walking around talking to people. There were so many roles fulfilled that when you step back and take the time to look around, that's when you see the body of Christ functioning as a unit. That was one small portion of the body of Christ that day that came together to glorify him with the gifts that they'd been given at an activity in one of the ministries that he called this church to, an outreach. And uh, for those people that were there, I'm sure, received blessings that day. I would be surprised if you didn't. That I know I was blessed that day. That Just to see everybody working together was an awesome blessing. To see how the body of Christ works when they're there to honor God. Now to verse 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after, the, after that miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues... Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly, Paul says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. He tells us to desire the best gifts. Now we've talked about we shouldn't covet the ones that others have. We should be satisfied with the ones we have. Why is Paul telling us to earnestly desire the best gifts? As we desire the best gifts, if we're desiring them with a sincere heart, we're looking for opportunities to bless others, aren't we? If, if we're desiring those gifts that others have, the, of the different gifts that are available, if we're praying and asking God to give us a different gift, it's usually because we, God's given us a heart for a ministry that we don't feel that we've been equipped to, to participate in yet, that we desire to bless other people. We, we want to reach out and bless other people. So if we're desiring those gifts, then we're looking around. We're looking around for people that, that need that. God, God has put that in our hearts. As we go back to the beginning of the chapter when it said that through the Holy Spirit, um, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Only God can put in our, in our heart that desire to serve other people. 
That's not of ourselves. That's not our human nature here on earth. It's not the worldly model we see of serving other people. That's a calling that God's put in us. That's a desire that he's put in us. Ephesians 2, verse, chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has created us for good works. That's what it's telling us here. Not to serve ourselves, but for good works to bless other people. And as he goes on, the last uh, sentence of the chapter says, And yet I show you a more excellent way. A more excellent way. What more excellent way could there than be the desire to serve others? A more excellent way to serve others. And we're not going to go into it this morning. Chapter 13, known as the love chapter. Paul goes into that. It's the motivation behind our service to others. What that should be. I'm in the wrong page here. In verse 13, Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And he goes on there to list out the gifts. He talks about having all the different gifts and the, the various gifts that we can have, the ministries that are available to us as Christians to serve the Lord. But if we don't have love for those, if we don't have love for the people that we're serving, then he tells us we're like sounding brass, that there's no purpose in it. That's what's more excellent. If you could come up with a formula out of that outline that we were given earlier, verses 4 through 6, you'd need to combine chapter 13 with it. That formula would be the gifts plus a ministry plus an activity and add in love would equal Christ glorified. That's when God is glorified, truly glorified. When out of a love for other people, we genuinely desire to use the gifts that he's given us to participate in ministries and activities that, glorify, that, that bless other people, where our lives are used to bless other people. Now, some people, I'm, I'm sure this morning, are, are looking at gifts they have and saying, how do I use these? Some people may be questioning if they have a gift. You have a gift. You may not have realized it yet, but you have a gift. Others may be asking, what gift do I have? Well, let me ask you to look at it another way. What does God put on your heart to do? Is there a group of people that God has put on your heart that you often see and say, I wish I could help? Maybe God's put the ministry on your heart, but you haven't come to a realization of the gift yet because you haven't stepped out in that ministry and began serving. See, if you're not serving, you're not exercising the gift, you may not even realize you have the gifting. But if there's a, a group of people, and, and to pick an example, the children... For me, it's the prisoners. I didn't even know it. had no idea when I started in prison ministry eight years ago next month that, that I had a heart to minister to inmates. had no desire. I was asked to participate in the ministry. stepped out, and now I can't imagine not doing it. In fact, I'm having to fight to get my certification renewed for the coming year. I've been working three months just to get renewed so I can continue going. I can't imagine not doing it on Sunday mornings now. If you'd asked me two days before the first time I ever did it, I'd have told you it was a one-time thing. I'd been asked to do it, and I'd never go back. Now I'm fighting to stay in the prison. They're, they're having to chase me out, literally, if they want me out. You know, what, what group of people has God put on your heart? What individuals has God put on your heart? Is it homeless people? That's a, a, that's a group out there that truly needs ministry. 
Maybe there's a group of homeless people that you're aware of and you see them on a regular basis. You think, man, I wish I could do something for them. But let me encourage you, step out. Step out, start praying, God, what do you want me to do for them? He'll show you the giftings. He'll provide the giftings if that's where he's calling you to go. Is it within another ministry here in the church? There's various ones. I've barely begun to scratch the surface of all the people involved this morning. There are some we see. There are many behind the scenes. There are needs out there. You know, maybe you don't know. Maybe you just know that God's stirring you to do something. Ask myself or Joe or Greg and Kathy. Ask one of us, what can I do to help? There, there's plenty of needs out there. If God's calling you to do that, he'll gift you to do them. Maybe he's waiting on you. Maybe you haven't realized the gift yet because you haven't had a need to realize that gift yet. But it's there. There's plenty of it to go around. God won't run out. This is when we see the body. We see the body coming together. It's such a blessing to see people working together with various gifts, the talents they've been given. And then you begin to see other people blessed and glorified through that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for our time together this morning. Lord, we thank you that you do care so much for us, Lord, that you, you gift us one another and you surround us with people with gifts that we don't necessarily have, that they may be a blessing to us. And we're so grateful for that, Lord, that our weaknesses are another person's strength. You've designed this perfectly. You've de- designed this with no flaw involved. Lord, the only flaw that can come into it is where we make the mistakes. Lord, and we pray this morning for each individual in this room, including myself. Lord, show us the ministries and activities you would have us involved in. Lord, show us where you would have us on a, a day-by-day basis, whether it be in our jobs, whether it be in evangelism, Lord, a service here in the church, a ministry in area here. Lord, we just ask that you would put a burden on our hearts, Lord, that we couldn't ignore, that we would recognize, that you would just give us a burning desire, Lord, to be a service to others that others may be glorified, and, Lord, that you may be glorified. Lord, we just thank you for this time together this morning. pray that you'll continue to work in our hearts and minds as we leave here. And uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.